0: So basically, I think everyone knows a little bit at least of what has been going on in Syria since 2011 and how the daily tragedy uh, of this crisis and civil war. But there is less which is known about um, the Syrian media and civil society and uh, the great development and achievement of this civil society. And media within this civil society, uh, media is really key part. Um, Because after decades of state-controlled media, um, we have seen in 2011 a great challenge of the government narrative by a citizen journalists who, um, who, who filmed lots of demonstrations, uploaded them on YouTube, etc. And, um, and they developed and professionalized. And now we have like, what we can call a real foundation of an independent alternative media landscape mm. in the country. We have media offices gathering news distributed all over the Syrian territory. We have radio stations, which have mushroomed, based inside and outside. um, Lots of newspapers, magazines, and even um, TV stations. So, um, I think it's even more incredible, this achievement, that prior to 2011, uh, Reporters Without Borders were considering Syria 173rd out of 178 countries in terms of press freedom. So what I will present today is uh, the two main phases of development of media in Syria since 2011. First, the appearance of citizen journalism uh, from 2011 to 2012, and then the development and professionalization until today. And then I'll talk about the, the prospects and challenges for the future of the industry, what chance for, for media. And within this description, I'll try to um, describe as well the role of ISML and SMART, the organization I'm working for, and SMART, which is a CN media group. And uh, I'll try to describe that later. So about me, um, I used to live in Syria in the past, and I have two master's degrees um, on Syria from uh, from Sciences Po in Paris and uh, from SOAS in London. And I um, started a journalism training project in London in 2011 to train uh, citizen journalists over Skype. So I went to an organization called Transnational Crisis Project, <coughs> submitted the project, got some funding, coordinated that for a little bit more than a year. And in 2013, I decided like, to be more involved and work directly uh, for uh, a organization to have a, like, more impact, basically. Um, so first, like 2011, what happened? So everyone remember, there was the Arab Spring. And in, within this context, Syrian decided to take to the streets, lots of de- peaceful demonstrations, and also people filming what was going on, really rapidly. Um, I think this comes from two main reasons why people filmed. The first, there was really rapidly the government of Bashar al-Assad um, implemented a ban on foreign journalists. Uh, it was impossible for people from Al Jazeera or from CNN to get in. Actually, it was possible but it was forbidden, so much more dangerous. So There was a limited uh, information was getting out of the country. And in addition to that, the local news gathering of what was going on was m- almost inexistent. The Syrian media were basically state controlled. And so the government didn't allow uh, a narrative which wouldn't be the government narrative. So the government narrative was that there was no peaceful demonstrations, there was only troubles. The troubles were made by the terrorists who were foreign agents and uh, infiltrators. So people wanted to show another story. And, um, and so that's why they started to uh, really rapidly take their phone, film it, upload on YouTube. But from this point, they started to organize themselves more and more. So rapidly as well, started to have on the ground reporters who organized around like in media units. These media units, the central part of the media units, were the satellite modem. The Syrian um, the the, the government imposed also a, um, a blackout on the internet to make sure that the videos could not get out of the country. So the satellite modem was really a key because it could allow people to have access to satellite internet. So they organized around these satellite modems in coordination with local coordination committees, media offices, and they also used internet to coordinate within each other. Because there was no physical place, it was too dangerous for them to meet. So they were organized in, um, in Skype rooms, in Facebook groups, and most of the time using fake names, and, um, and mostly they didn't know each other. And they started like that. And Rapidly as well, they affiliated with office based outside the country. So um, it was really important to have some backup from outside the country because people from the Syrian diaspora who started to work in media, they had better internet. So they could coordinate more, more efficiently. Also there was less security issue. So they could gather all the information, supervise, gather the information without the risk to be uh, arrested, tortured, and to threaten the whole networks. So this started... Um, office outside and network inside started the news networks, the Shab- Shabakat Barillé. And um, within three or four months, you had dozens of uh, news networks. The office outside as well was doing the liaison between the networks and the international uh, media landscape. So they were creating the videos to the, to the international TV channels, to Al Jazeera, Al Barillé, but um, Al Arabiya as well, and also CNN, etc. And this uh, outside the office outside was also like providing equipment, technical hotline, etc. So that's how Smart started as a news network. Smart uh, stands for CN Media Action Revolution Team, and um, and they started as a news gatherer and a news provider. To understand well this, uh, this landscape that you know, developed really rapidly I think we have to look at two central parameters. The first one is the very origin of this uh, rapid uh, development of the Syrian media. And this comes back to what happened in Hama in 1992. <coughs> what happened is that there has been an uprising in Hama, a massive uprising of the whole city led by the Muslim Brotherhood. To challenge the authority of the, the former president, who was Hafez al-Assad, who is the father, who was the father of the current president Bashar al-Assad, and so Hafez al-Assad could not tolerate this kind of uh, challenge of his authority. So what he did is first imp- um, impose a ban on uh, on uh, foreign media in Syria to forbid any kind of reporting uh, from inside the country. And secondly, he asked his army to, uh, to besiege Hama and then attack it. So it has been a like really terrible tragedy. I think <coughs> there is between 10,000 and 40,000 people who got killed during this attack. And there is um, a general understanding among Syrian, Syrian people that it's the lack of information, the lack of international reporting that allowed this uh, massacre to happen. So it was a really important trauma in the Syrian mindset and so when in 2011 people started to take to the street really what they really didn't want is that hama to happen once again so they decided to to film everything to make sure that you know the tragedy wouldn't happen again <clears throat> the second thread of um, important parameter for this development is the struggle for credibility um, so in 2011, at the same time, there was lots of uh, in international media using uh, amateur footage, amateur information, and citizen journalist content, and there was also lots of criticism about this content, about the blurred line between journalism and uh, citizen journalism, about the fact that these people were not external observers, but were part of what they were reporting on. and. Um, and so there was lots of controversies. You had also like a, a documentary, I think it was on, on the BBC, you see showing some uh, some people in Baba Amar burning tires, so there they would be like a huge smokes, black smoke, because these people couldn't go where the chilling was, they were just pretending. And this affected a lot, the credibility of the whole uh, media landscape. And so all these criticisms are oh, obviously fair, but, was really hard for the Syrian uh, journalists because um, they were risking their life for the information, and they were criticized this way it was difficult. So they started to to make it easier for the international media to verify the information. First, by filming landmarks of the city, saying the date before every video at the beginning of every video, um, sh- you know, filming street names, etc., and also start to implement some verification procedures. So start with brands of news networks. To, um, to become like trusted partners for the international media. And this is de- this desire to be more credible, which has been the driving force, I think, of the progress of the media in Syria. So in this time, <coughs> there has been one major project which was implemented by SMART, which has been at the crossing point of these two parameters, informing to protect and the struggle for credibility. It's a project of live broadcast on TV. So the project was that smart organization send some teams going from one village to the other, one town to the other, to train to send equipment and train people to how they film, how to make that into a live stream using some software like Ustream, Bambuser, just in JustinTV, so they could you could ac- access to live broadcast of Syria from uh, from the internet, and these live streams would then be created and given to uh, international TV channels. So at the same time, you had a demonstration or something, people could be like millions of people uh, watching it around the world. So so this was for, first for, uh, for sorry, it was first for, in, for, for protecting the people demonstrating because at the time, the government was still um, worried about international image and so when, and they were claiming that they were not shooting at peaceful demonstrators. So if you had the demonstration filmed live and watched live by millions of people in Al Jazeera, they would not shoot at it. So by filming it, it would protecting the people. And secondly, the fact that it was di- uh, direct live um, was increasing the, the credibility of it because you always had some spokesperson on the on the TV from the government saying that this was not happening, that the peaceful demonstration was not happening, etc. So, so one of good example is in September two thousand eleven. There was a spokesperson of the government whose name was Taleb Ibrahim, maybe you know, and he was on Al Jazeera, uh, guest of Al Jazeera, and was saying that. So Al Jazeera was showing part of live demonstration and then him talking. And he was saying that all these live demonstrations they were not true, it was fabricated, it was not even live. So what did the guy do on, uh, in Homs is that they wrote a message to Taleb Ibrahim that he was wrong, showed it on the camera, and it was then broadcast next to, what, to, the, to the speech of, uh, of the spokesperson. So it was really a kind of powerful moment of television uh, in Syria. Um, But also, this this live broadcast project had the most powerful impact and also it's during uh, during the the moment of Baba Amr. The attack of Baba Amr, I don't know if you remember, It was in February 2012. It's at this moment that the live uh, broadcast project had the great uh, success and the greatest failure. The greatest success because Baba Amr is a neighborhood in Homs. Homs was the capital of the revolution and it was a, Baba Amr was the strongest uh, stronghold for the, for the rebels. So SMART has many teams doing some live broadcasts from, uh, from there. In February, 2012, the government decided to attack it, shell it, and it was the first time they used heavy artillery and, uh, and shelling on residential neighborhood. This was really deadly, of course, and it was also live on TV as they had like half a dozen of people able to film and stream live the images had been on all the international media had been on cnn bbc live on al jazeera al arabia and um so it was a great success because it was all over the news the smart project but a great also a great failure because it was not protecting anyone anymore the government could do it, the international community would not intervene even if this kind of level of atrocity would be broadcast live. So this is a really t- a big turning point, both for the revolution and for the media uh, in Syria. Syrian people realized that it was the wrong way of doing it. It's not getting the news out of Syria was not doing any good for the, for the people living inside. So they started to Change the focus to have a shift to focus more on, the, on doing some media for the people inside, than uh, making information out for the people outside the country. So we started from news gatherer and media offices. We started to see real media outlets, magazine developing, radio stations, doing not only like some some raw facts, but having some uh, real diversified content with opinion, investigation, interview with personalities culture, politics, literature, even. And the idea was then not to wait until Bashar leaves the country to build a democracy, but to start now <coughs> and to start building the, the Syria that they wanted for the future right now. So that's when ISML really stepped in in this landscape. And uh, ISML, which stands for Association de Soutien aux Médias Libres, which is which means like an organization for the support of free media um, so it's a Syrian organization but has a French name because it registered in France because it's not possible to register in Syria and um, and they collaborated with smart started to collaborate with smart to um, to accompany this movement and to help them this new media professionalize um, so What they did, as from two thousand twelve, is to build a structure into which the media outlets could plug, and this structure would give them some uh, some um, some support tailored to the needs. Um, so the program was like first selection selection of promising media outlets, so not the uh, so just to select outlets who had. Um, the so ambition to, um, to continue after the revolution to just have like a long-term impact on the Syrian population and wanted to, to last and become professional. And then when they were selected, would provide some financial support, some equipment, some technical hotline, and also evaluation, monitoring, mentoring, and training of the teams. So they could have an improved management, a better strategy, and uh, so they could improve the, the quality of the content. So this was pretty successful and um, so the number of magazines continued to increase the number of radio stations continued to increase and now for example we have 25 radio stations uh, operating either inside or outside syria 16 newspapers or magazines which are either weekly bi-monthly or monthly and nine opposition tv channels there was lots of they were producing some uh, some good quality content which were not only focusing on the war, which was um, f- fostering tolerance, some basically war sensitive, and it was pretty good content. However, at the same time, we have a, a rise in radicals in the country. So it's, again, kind of a, an assessment of partial failure. So in 2013, we decided to put more priority on the reach, because they had good content, but no one had access to this content inside the country, or really limited access. Um, So what is the average access for the Syrian population to media in Syria? First, you have television. All Syrian people who are not displaced, most of them have a satellite dish, so they can access to television. And that's what they, it's kind of key, still key in Syria. Um, However, you need electricity, and in lots of areas electricity is really difficult to get so it's important but difficult the second is radio stations so uh, FM radio stations it's better people can have uh, FM uh, receivers works on battery no need for electricity also they listen a lot listen to the radio station a lot uh, in cars in their car however the problem is that the fuel is really expensive so they don't use their car as much Third one is newspapers. Newspapers don't need anything, don't need electricity or something. But it's really difficult to distribute because of, I mean, because of security concern, because of checkpoints, (coughs) etc. And the fourth is internet. And as I said, internet is also really difficult. Um, Mostly it's for activists who have satellite modems because it's really costly. Satellite internet is is really expensive. So it's really in before the revolution there was only 17% of uh, of uh, Syrian people who had access to internet. So, um, so what we're trying to do then is to uh, to use all this way to uh, to reach a population. They are all complementary to each, o- to each other, but not. There is no only. There is no. Um, not only television who can uh, can reach uh, great achievements. So we have four uh, different projects. The first one is uh, is radio station. Second one is print press. The third one is TV production, and the fourth was the fourth uh, project is a news agency. So the radio station first we started to uh, to support existing radio station. Then we built a FM transmitter network inside the country. Um, so we could air web radio and give access to this web radio to the population inside. So it's also really difficult to have like a network, a national networks of uh, FM transmitters. In some areas, the transmitters need to be mobile and to change the location from, uh, from time to time. So it would not be triangulated by regime forces and shelled. Also needs to be, the location needs to be secret because um, radical rebels don't like free press either. Um, and usually the content is made outside. So, and um, the content is made outside and they use sat- uh, internet to send the content to inside the country who receive it through satellite internet and then transform the signal into FM. And in the in beginning of, uh, of this year, we launched the own, our own radio station called Hawa Smart. And um, so, which pre- pre- produce like 12 hours of content per day. The second print press, the second project is a print press. <coughs> so we support 12 newspapers. So we try to have like a wide diversity of the, in terms of editorial policy, in terms of politics, opinions, etc., And to be the most representative of the Syrian population. And uh, some of the mm, newspapers are like, targeting women, some of them are like children's magazines, some of them are coming from the south, from the north, etc. And um, the idea is like to give Syrians like a, pl- a plurality to foster tolerance. So it's printed inside Syria. We started like some print centers, um, three uh, in, the, in the country, and to print inside and distribute the, con- the, 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 the newspapers in the area of the print centers. Um, the third project is a TV production. So, um, as I said, there is many TV ch- TV channels, but they don't have lots of content because they don't have lots of people working inside the country to produce the content. So, Smart has 20 teams inside the country who um, who do some reports from two to six minutes, and they try to focus on non-war related news, to focus on civil society, to focus on the new emerging administration, and uh, and um, and also on um, on the way Syrian people can, uh, can overcome some uh, specific problems through creative ways to disseminate ideas that can be reproduced in, uh, in other places for example, how to cook a meal without gas and some people will like, have a great idea, they will show on, uh, on tape and then they will be distributed uh, in TV channels and the fourth one is still in the straight line from the struggle for credibility I was talking about is a news agency, a project for news agency. Is to try to we try to support um, citizen news agency to be more professional more professional and to be more credible, it <coughs> didn't work. Uh, we tried to do that with Sham News Network uh, and uh, it didn't work because you can't just have citizen journalists who become professional. It's really difficult. And so we started like a news agency who would be like, from the beginning, uh, professional. And um, so with professional supervisors, lots of training, and it's based in Gaziantep. So it provides news to uh, international media, but also to the whole alternative media landscape for free. So all the, so all the alternative media landscape could have access to verified information. So, of course, I think it's obvious all these uh, projects are a bit difficult and the first uh, challenge is security. One, I will not talk a lot, a lot about this, but... Um, for example, we had uh, FM transmitters in uh, Raqqa, which is um, a town east of Syria. And we got attacked by the radical Islamist of uh, uh, ISIS, Islamic State of Iraq and Sham, Daesh in Arabic. So we had to move the transmitters. Luckily, no one was kidnapped. It was great. It was uh, really lucky. So we moved it to another city, to the resort, to start broadcasting from there. So we got attacked in Araka in November, moved it to the resort in December, started broadcasting on the 6th of December, and was, we were shelled by the regime on the 9th of December. Uh, so we were attacked in the same, like, two weeks by the regime and by the rebels. Like. Yeah. Um, so yeah, obviously transportation as well is difficult uh, and we have lots of technical difficulties every day for internet and electricity. Uh, electricity, we, we use generators, but in some part of the country, which the country which are besieged, uh, fuel is really, really expensive. So for, so in Ruta, the area of Damascus next to the capital, it can reach $15 per liter. Knowing that, you know, the cost of the life in Syria and the fact that the CN point uh, the Syrian pound dropped by 300 uh, percent. It's not, it's not possible to to use a generator. So we try to use solar panels, to use to have wind turbines, etc. Um, but what may interest you more is the future challenges of uh, of the industry, of the whole citizen um, new media landscape. So first, we see a professionalization of the industry. There is lots of um, professional people, professional journalists, who used to work in 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 the regime media, who has lots of experience, 10, 20 years of experience within the regime media, who left the regime media in 2011 because they didn't agree about the way things were reported. And they didn't want to join the alternative media landscape yet because they thought it was too amateur. And now they see that it's pretty good, pretty all right, So they're starting to join it. So they bring, their help is invaluable. They bring lots of vision, they provide experience, they help structures and media outlets better, whether it's in magazine or radio stations. They provide a better strategy and a better credibility, especially for for the news anchors in radio stations. People who are like a famous voice in Syria, if they go to an alternative media landscape, it's better for its credibility. However, we see like some friction within the team between this kind of professional old people, old generation, and the new young generation of uh, Syrian journalists who are coming from the revolution and are, are like really value-driven but without any experience, and the old ones who have internalized in some way self-censorship from the Syrian uh, controlled media, from the, the regime media. And so they're kind of reluctant to, uh, to, to criticize um, authority. Now that they're working with alternative media, they're kind of reluctant to criticize the opposition and, uh, and the groups, and the rebel groups. <coughs> and they're also really into hierarchy. So they don't like uh, be, being criticized by uh, young people who would like to be more transparent and more objective about what's going on. So it's like kind of a big problem that needs to be overcome I think it's kind of shared in all the media, uh, alternative media. The second main uh, main difficulty is to um, to reach sustainability, financial sustainability for the Syrian media, because the entire industry is relying on donations or public grants from uh, from outside the country, and um, it's very fragile model. <coughs> And the risk is when there is no money anymore for the Syrian media, just the achievements and all the progress which has been made just vanish, disappears, that's it. Start from scratch. Um, Especially that in August 2013, the US almost intervened in Syria. And since then, since they decided not to intervene, the report, the coverage of the Syrian crisis has dropped uh, radically. So if there is less coverage in the media, there is less pressure on governments to support uh, to support activities inside Syria, and uh, and now that the crisis has worsened, obviously the priority is on humanitarian aid. It should be, of course, that's what is the most important thing. But still, you know, if there is no money anymore for the media, there is nothing. So, um, so the idea is like to find new ways of um, a new creative business model. We called sell the copies that we distribute the newspaper copies because people have more important thing to do with their money inside the country we can't really have publicity because the reach is not big enough and also people would not really understand to have publicity in the alternative media landscape to have a publicity while it's still the war and they will have kind of a feeling that people are making money out of their misery so we can't go there and the difficulty is like how to Increase the self-sustainability, so it's still like a, a big challenge. I don't have a, an answer to that. And the last challenge, I think, and I will be done, is a need for increased solidarity between, uh, between all the, the, the new media outlets. We have a really fragmented media scene. As I said, 16 newspapers, 25 radio stations, but all of them have a really low reach inside the country. There are um, the questions about the listenership for the radio station. We don't know, and, but they're not great. They're not uh, massive. So there is a need for merging between these uh, media, to have more uh, budget, which is spent on printing, on FM transmission and this kind of thing. Sharing of resources to do that. And also they need to, um, to implement some share practices within the, the, the profession and um, start basically setting the foundation and the rules for the, for the industry and the future of the industry. And this is not done so far. So here, I'm done. Thank, Thank you. you.